As health boards struggle over how to deliver fair and equitable health care, hundreds of Queenstown residents have expressed anger over proposals to change local services. As costs soar, the local health board is looking at an integrated family health clinic where a number of services are delivered from one site. In this Radio New Zealand Insight programme, Queenstown correspondent Steve Wilde has been finding out if the proposals mean the line between free hospital care and paying to see the family GP is being blurred. The people of Queenstown turned out in an unprecedented show of support for their local hospital. In an effort to balance the books and reduce an almost $15 million deficit, the Southern District Health Board is proposing a radical change to the way health services are delivered to the people living in the Wakatipu region. Similar debates are happening up and down the country as health boards grapple with providing increasingly expensive health services within the budgets available. More than 500 people have come to this town meeting to hear the DHB Chief Executive Brian Rousseau explain his rationale for the cuts, which could result in a reduction in clinical staff. Mr Rousseau says Lakes District Hospital is fiscally unsustainable. Our total costs for Lakes have increased by 51% since 2005-2006, and that simply isn't sustainable. The DHB cannot afford that level of investment to continue. I'm not suggesting that that level of investment has got to decline, but what we're saying is we cannot have double-digit increases in costs when our funding increases each year are around about 2% a year. Now, I accept that the Lakes region is growing. The Lakes region is not growing to that extent, however, and neither is the demand for clinical services. This is about the models of care and the models of care that drive the cost structure. He says under the proposals currently being considered, patients would have to see their GP for non-urgent care to reduce the load in the emergency department or ED. The proposal looks at diverting attendances from ED that can safely be cared for by GPs and reducing the ED load and hence enabling us to reduce the staffing load Within the, within the Lakes District Hospital. Currently, our staffing, in terms of our FTE component, full-time equivalents, is eight doctors, and we are looking at reducing that by two doctors. And on the nursing side, we're looking at reducing nursing by 0.8 of an FTE. In a further step to save costs, the DHB has proposed setting up an integrated family health centre, which would locate an emergency department alongside a private general practice to deliver both primary and secondary care. The proposal drew scorn from the crowd, who told Mr Rousseau what they thought of the idea. Brian, you did not address the fact that we do not get extra funding for all the outside people who get tra treated at the stage at Lakes District Hospital. You've come up with a model which hasn't got a design, doesn't have any services, hasn't got a location, no specific providers, no governance model, may or may not be at LDH, uh, and certainly won't involve privatisation of public services. And that... And I'm going to excuse the board members who are here tonight to appreciate the number of people who are here this evening 
to support what is a very woolly concept. There has been no significant detail whatsoever produced so far for people to make any kind of intelligent decision about. You convened a group of clinical advisors locally, and from that consultation, what has happened? Absolutely nothing. The people were expecting to hear details about the structure and makeup of the integrated facility. Instead, Mr Rousseau asked for support for the concept and suggested the details could be worked out later. The crowd were clearly uneasy about that and the DHB announced its planned vote on new health services in the Wakatipu region would be delayed. The debate, which centres on the unaffordability of providing comprehensive services at small provincial hospitals, is part of the drive to find an alternative system. The implications of the Southern District Health Board's proposal are not just relevant to the residents living in Queenstown, but call into question the delivery of health care across the whole of New Zealand. Lakes District Hospital occupies a beautiful setting here on the shores of Lake Waikatipu with the towering Remarkables Mountains behind. There's really only one catch. And that's it. Lakes District Hospital stands near the end of the runway at Queenstown International Airport. Let's go inside and meet Medical Officer Dr James Reid as he explains what services this sized facility can offer. Welcome to Lakes District Hospital. This is the reception area, so people coming to the hospital would either be self-presenting or referred by a GP. If they're walking in or being brought in by friends or family, they'd come here and then they're assessed or, or triaged. Triaging is, is simply a system of working out the priority in which someone needs to get seen. The other way that people come in is they're brought in by ambulance and they come in straight into ED um, through the back doors of the hospital and we'll go and see that in a minute. But the whole building isn't all hospital. Half of it is being built as a rest home, which is privately run. Straight ahead of us there is the um, inpatient ward, which has ten beds in it. We also used to have six elderly health care beds for hospital level care. Those people have now moved down to the rest home. On our left here we've got the uh, maternity wing, um, which is run by the, the midwives, and there's the delivery suite right down the end there. And there's six rooms which they use for, for consulting and for postnatal patients as well. So babies can be born in Queenstown here at the hospital. I mean, it, it seems a lot of people go down to Invercargill for that sort of thing. Why is that? They want to be close to the services that are there. Yeah, babies can be born in Queenstown, um, but we are two hours away from base hospitals and we don't have obstetricians here and there aren't any GPs that do intrapartum, that's delivery obstetrics. The um, midwives here are, are very, very good, but because we haven't got the full service here, they tend to select the patient or the, or the woman that would be delivered here. And so anyone that's got risks of, say, they might need a caesarean or, or, or something else, they would be delivering in Invercargill or Dunedin. Physiotherapy, occupational therapy there, and then we turn around here and we've got the accident and emergency department. 
Yeah, this, this tends to be the busiest part on, on average. So here we've got an open area which has got five beds divided by curtains and we've got a little closed off clinic room which we use for more private consultations and we've got a resuscitation area in here um, which I can't show you because there's a patient in there but that's got all the emergency gear we would need for resuscitating someone. In terms of if you, if you present it here in an acute sort of way, you're quite, quite able to deal with it. Well, we have to be able to deal with anything that could come through the door, really, because um, we're it. Trauma is a big one in a place like Queenstown with um, skiing and mountain biking. So we could get see people with multiple injuries, see people that had any sort of medical emergency from a you know, a heart attack, a diabetes coma, um, any sort of infection, pneumonia, meningitis, any, any of those sorts of things. So I'm talking about the extremes, I mean, there's been a lot of things that are less extreme than that, you know, like broken limbs and simpler infections. So for the more serious things, we don't have surgery or CT scans or anything here, so we're looking after people to stabilise them and get them ready to transport to other places. And for that we have ambulance service, the ambulance are on the, on the same campus, and um, it's a just over two hour road journey to Invercargill, and it's a three and a half to four hour road journey to Dunedin. We also have local helicopter services rostered to provide transport on a daily basis so we can transport people directly by helicopter to um, Invercargill or Dunedin. As it stands, residents and many tourists alike can walk into Lakes District Hospital just as they can in any large city across the country and be treated without digging into their own pocket. Last year, over 6,500 people attended the emergency department in Queenstown. On average, 90 of those people were transferred to the big base hospitals in Dunedin and Invercargill each month. The Southern District Health Board's Chief Executive Brian Rousseau estimates the hospital runs at between $1 to $2 million over its annual $3.9 million budget. By changing the model, Mr Rousseau says the DHB can save about half a million dollars of that per year. If you look at the concept of an integrated family health centre, particularly for the smaller rural areas, um, it makes really good sense to have co-located providers. Um, if you look at overheads within health, they're anywhere around 20 to 25%, and um, the idea is, is that you can share those overheads if you co-locate. So how will the integrated facility work? Patients presenting at the emergency department will be assessed by a GP and if their symptoms are deemed not to be acute or life-threatening enough, they'll be treated by the private GP and asked to pay for that service. And that worries Maria Cole, the executive chair of the Wakatibu Health Trust, which was set up 11 years ago to raise funds to buy equipment to be used at the hospital. She says the DHB's proposal sets a new precedent in New Zealand by forcing people to pay for health care, which has traditionally been funded by the taxpayer. Maria Cole believes under the proposed model, a private GP practice could divert patients away from the public system to its own financial gain. She thinks the only way forward is to have a community trust running the hospital.
the Trust really wants some simple things. We want local community governance for our hospital. Last year, in conjunction with the Council, the Trust ran some public health forums which coincided with the DHB consultation, and they were the largest publicly attended events ever held in Queenstown. And the community expressed its views very, very clearly at those forums, and overwhelmingly they wanted local community governance. So that's the number one thing, and we note in this latest releases from the DHB there's no mention of community at all. Secondly, we want expanded facilities and services at Lakes, um, but only within the bounds of the population and our needs. And thirdly, we want a strategic plan that is accountable to the community for its performance. And we say, what is wrong with expecting a plan? Surely it is axiomatic uh, for the delivery of any critical service. And there hasn't been a strategic plan from the DHB for at, last, at least the last 10 years. Maria Cole says the Queenstown situation is further complicated by the more than 1.5 million tourists visiting the area each year. She says government funding fails to recognise how those tourists are affecting the delivery of public health care to the residents of the area. We have uh, some unique demographics in Queenstown. We have a very large number of tourists and we have a great deal of adventure tourism. We have some unique demographics that we think don't exist really in any other regional town of New Zealand. And based on the population-based funding formula uh, that's in practice through the Ministry of Health now, there is no recognition for that within our funding formula in Queenstown. So we are doubly disadvantaged. Doctors too are concerned, saying the proposal has an adverse clinical effect, in short, putting people's lives at risk because it calls for a reduction in clinical staff. The head of the Association of Salaried Medical Specialists, Ian Powell, is certain the quality of health care will go downhill if doctors are cut from eight to six. It's a question of the quality and the accessibility of services being provided to the, the public of uh, Queenstown and the wider region. And what I would say in that respect is that, that the quality of service that they currently receive and which continues to has been continuing to improve over the years and is of a high quality uh, will erode. I'm confident about that um, because uh, this is just simply, despite the rhetoric, is fragmented. Uh, it has fi financial disincentives to cherry-pick certain things that bring in money and dot to do other things that you know, cost a bit more. He says the integrated family health centre model is relying on saving money by directing patients into the private sector. Well, I think the outcome is based on a fixation that some sort of relationship with the larger of the two uh, general practices in Queenstown, the Queenstown Medical Centre, in which the Queenstown Medical Centre essentially, in effect, runs it and has significant control over uh, some, a number of its services and gets funding for that. Uh, now in a new location uh, was the way to go. On the same day the DHB announced its Integrated Family Health Centre proposal several weeks ago, the Queenstown Medical Centre, in conjunction with the developers of the Remarkables Park Shopping Centre, unveiled plans to build an integrated family health clinic. The architectural plans for the venture were included on the DHB's media release. Dr Valerie Miller, who works in opposition to the Queenstown Medical Centre, says the announcement raised eyebrows in the community. Before there was an A&E department at Lakes District Hospital, the doctors of Queenstown provided the A&E. And so Queenstown Medical Centre grew to the size it has because it was providing 
the A&E services to the region. And, you know, so they should, you know, understandably be a bit um, threatened by the fact that there's an A&E service now in the hospital. Valerie Miller says the community should be worried about the private-public balance. A director of the Queenstown Medical Centre, Dr Hans Rates, says those concerns need to be addressed. I think that's a that's quite a, a valid a valid argument, and um, I can't I can't say that that is not something that I would wouldn't have thought about. Um, it is clearly something that needs to be thought about very um, very carefully, and uh, there are different ways of, of of skinning that cat. You can either go for a community ownership of all A and M and ED services in Queenstown, which is something that we offered to um, essentially roll over our A and M unit in town into public ownership, um, combine it with the ED at the hospital and have it run by a community trust. Now that's essentially Queenstown Medical Centre giving away half of our business. That is something that we have to look at quite carefully. Um, it is not something that I want to see basically taking the livelihood of my partners away, um, but it's something that we have considered. There are other options. Um, there are options to essentially um, have a very clear idea of what is private and what is public or what is not covered under ED rules and that is something that again a community trust and the hospital doctors and the GPs in Queenstown, all of them, not just Queenstown Medical Centre, can agree on. Um, it's not that difficult to categorise patients. Um, there are at the moment um, a lot of conditions being treated at the hospital that are quite frankly um, way below ED standards. Um, and essentially it's because the hospital is free and the hospital is easy to get to. Um, it is something that um, you don't have to dig deep in your pocket for and for some of our visitors that's a very good argument to use the hospital. If Queenstoners want to continue to fund free visitor treatment out of our own pockets and on our own vote health funding, because that's what we're doing at the moment, then that's something we need to have a, have a decision on. But at the moment, this is happening without any kind of public decision on what we want to fund. Valerie Miller wants to know where the line between primary and secondary care will be drawn. According to Brian Rousseau, that line is going to change in order to allow district health boards to cut their substantial deficits. Well, if, if your condition is suitable for treatment in primary care, why should you in fact be going to the hospital in the first place? Well, who makes these decisions? A nurse, a triage nurse at the front door. I talked to the directors of the Queenstown Medical Centre last week. They thought it was perfectly acceptable uh, to have a broken arm or a broken leg uh, fixed by a primary health provider and that the people should pay for that. Does that happen at Southland Hospital or Dunedin Hospital? No, it doesn't. So why should it happen here? Well, who says that Southland Hospital and Dunedin Hospitals should continue to stay the same as they currently operate? The reality is, is that the current arrangements are simply going to be unaffordable going forward, and something has got to give. And this is something that we have, as a district health board, have got to consult with our communities to say, we can't, can't currently afford to, to provide all of these services, and how, which are the ones that we should, in fact, ensure that we do continue to provide and, and fully fund publicly. The Southern District Health Board's Chairman Joe Butterfield agrees, saying the division between who accesses free secondary care or pays for primary services is about to become a national issue. The question is, should they be seen at the emergency department? 
the emergency department will remain free, but if you have a certain sort of ailment, should it be dealt with at the emergency department? Now, the point was made they wanted equity and they wanted the same treatment here as Dunedin, Invercargill, what have you. Dunstan already has it that those people in the lower triages do not get treated at the emergency department. We are moving towards that, I think, nationwide in all emergency departments. So why shouldn't that be faced up to here? Dunstan Hospital is 40 minutes down the road from Queenstown and Clyde. Residents in that area cannot walk into the emergency department and access free care. Russell McGeorge is the chairman of Central Otago Health Limited, which runs Dunstan Hospital. Some years ago the DHB had decided to close Clyde and the Central Otago community opposed that very strongly and as a result a, an arrangement was reached where the District Hospital Board continued to own the buildings but the community owned the, ho the, the, the company that provided the services and the community also provided all the fittings, all the beds, the, uh, all, all the equipment in the hospital. But the difference is, is that you can't just walk into the emergency department and access secondary care, can you? You, you have to be referred. You have to. We, we haven't had secondary care, uh, care in emergency departments in Central Otago for many years and the reason for that is because unlike an area such as Queenstown where there's one town and one hospital, in central Otago we have many towns and one hospital. So we've got Roxburgh, Clyde, Cromwell, Alexandra, Wanaka. So nobody from Wanaka is going to drive down to Clyde to get a sprained finger attended to. They will go to their GP. And so across the board in central Otago, people with less than serious injuries will get their treatment with their GPs and pay for it. Uh, is it fair? Well, we think it... It, it works for, in our district, obviously, because of the number of towns. We're of the view that it's if other areas move in the same direction, then it will be fair. But if they don't move in the same direction and we're left as one of the few that do it that way, that's not fair, particularly as, as the community has equipped the hospital, where most other hospitals in New Zealand are equipped by the government through their DHBs. The National Health Committee is an independent body that's been charged with producing a report for the Minister of Health on the challenges facing rural health delivery in New Zealand. One of its members is the Medical Officer of Health in Bay of Plenty, Dr Phil Schumach, who says the Integrated Family Health Clinic model is part of the government's plan to deliver health services more efficiently. He says it's a model which can work, but only if the governance structure is right and includes the local community. We were particularly struck with the importance of getting local involvement, that the more successful services that we visited were ones which typically had significant involvement and commitment from local people. So not necessarily just relying on a business model where private enterprise would deliver a service, but also looking at models which relied in addition to a business model and efficient delivery of services, also relied on local involvement of the local community. In terms of a local trust or something like that? For instance, one yeah, trust was one model that we suggested, which, well, we didn't suggest it, we reflected that there were these trusts around the country, some of which were operating very successfully.
The Southern DHB supports setting up a regional governance system with the possibility of a community trust to manage both the new integrated facility in Queenstown as well as Dunstan Hospital in Clyde. But so far a consensus on that plan from the various interested parties has failed. As the Queenstown debate stalls, other centres are preparing to analyse the integrated health centre model. The Health Minister Tony Ryle has just opened three integrated family health centres in Hamilton. But while Hamiltonians are still able to access free health care at their base hospital, former Treasury analyst Jeff Simmons wonders for how long. Mr Simmons is the co-author of the book Health Check that looked at the issue of public health in New Zealand. He says the public in Queenstown might need to get used to the idea that they don't always need to be seen by a doctor. What the DHB needs to do in this case is make sure that the incentives faced by the you know, the, the, the frontline people are, are right. You know, a great way to do it is by having salaried GPs and making sure that there are plenty of other qualified staff that can do, you know, all of the other things that, that people need. And, you know, I mean, all the public wants to see uh, GPs, we know that. But once they get used to seeing their nurse, you know, for certain things and a dietitian for certain things, and, you know, they'll get used to this different way of doing things. He says the Southern DHB needs to ensure the public can trust that when they walk into the emergency department in an integrated model, they'll be fairly assessed and not forced into private care for the benefit of the private operator. He believes the line between primary and secondary care is changing. If this is the case, he thinks it's politicians, not the DHBs, who should be explaining that the threshold for being treated in emergency departments is being raised. That too was the call from the crowd in Queenstown, Former Mayor Warren Cooper wondered at the absence of local MP Bill English. I think it's a tragedy that Bill English, a good friend of mine, isn't here. Because he really doesn't feel enough the anxiety in the community. The Health Minister Tony Ryle didn't want to comment on the Wakatipu proposal, but Jeff Simmons says as communities like Queenstown grapple with how best to provide health services, they'll have to include everyone involved to ensure the best possible outcome. All of these sorts of changes are, are really going to cause uh, public backlash right throughout the community. And, and that's why we really need to, you know, when we're having these sorts of conversations... We need to involve you know, the local um, the, uh, the health professionals in, in the process uh, and, and make sure the processes are, are happening over quite some time. And actually give, you know, if you sit down with health professionals, yes, a lot of them have vested interests, but if you sit down and you say, we only have this much money, and that is the fact in, this, in the healthcare sector. We only have this much money. What's the best way to provide for the people of our area? You know, then you'll, you'll come up with, with good solutions. Uh, the, the trouble is at the moment that everyone in, involved in the system has a great incentive to, to um, you know, just throw up their arms and cry poor and hope that the minister sends more money their way. That's the way of the past. It's not the way of the future. That Radio New Zealand Insight was written and presented by Queenstown correspondent Steve Wilde. It was produced by Philip Atolli with technical production by Steve Burridge.